So Easter 2022, uh, we started today with a Easter egg hunt uh, in our household. And we all know, I shared on Good Friday, our dog ate uh, quite a bit of chocolate uh, this week, and which led to an emergency vit, uh, vet uh, visit. And guess what happened? This morning, we put the eggs everywhere, and then we couldn't find one. And then we were like, don't let the dog eat it. Uh, so we were running around. But eventually, we found it, which was amazing. Easter is not about chocolate, hey. It is about remembering the work of Jesus Christ and the victory that we have attained because of what He did for us, amen. We remember that because of His work, something that only He could do, we can now through faith in Him be restored to a relationship with God. By His stripes, by His wounds, we are healed. Give me a wave if you've got a scar in this room, a physical scar on your body. Nearly everybody. Now, I could pick any hand in this room. I won't. I'm just saying I could. And there's a story that would go along with the scar. There'll be some people that will say, I have a scar because I have a baby. A cesarean section. There'll be some people that'll say, I have a scar because I now have brand new hips, hallelujah, or brand new knees. Give me a wave if you've got a brand new knee in this place. We see those hands. We see those hands. It's all coming for all of us, trust me. But brand new knees, you've got the scars, you see them, they're up and down the knee. You go, oh, you know what? It's like a brand new change of tires. There's a scar, but there's a story. There's a guy in our church, uh, he's in the East location. His name is Gene Herod. He's a great friend of mine. He has got one of the coolest scars you've ever seen. Uh, he broke his arm as a young man and he developed what's called compartment syndrome. And it's like a real emergency. Uh, there, there's a clot that forms uh, sort of in the tunnel of your, your arm and it cuts, can cut off the blood flow to the hand. So they literally, they cut it on one side and they cut it on the other. So he's got like scars on both sides. You know, cool story. Cool story. Then you can run into those people that have got interesting scars. Like, oh, what happened there? I ran into a table as a kid. Give me a table as a kid scar person. Give me a wave. I see that hand. There's multiple. You know the one, and then give me the wave of the bad parenting scars. Come on, give me a wave. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't. My kids are good. What was that? Have you got a scar, Geordie? Not from your mother. That's good. She wasn't Italian. Um, but you know, scars, they're around, wounds. Today I want to talk about the most precious wounds that ever lived. The most precious wounds that are more valuable and 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 to be honoured more than any other story that you could tell around a wound or a scar. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our crookedness. The punishment that brought peace was on him and by his wounds. We are healed. If you're reading the New King James, by his stripes, we are healed. No other God has wounds. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
Father, I thank you for your sacrifice. That, Father, that what you endured gave us peace with God. But, Father, I thank you today that you didn't stay in the grave. Father, I thank you that you rose again. Father, I thank you that you live. No one else, Father, could willingly walk into death and walk out again but you. God, we thank you for your son and the gift that he is. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. You know, I thought about it this week and often on Good Friday we reflect. I, I want to take us on a bit of a journey uh, to building to the resurrection this morning. But when we think about it, it is an absolutely horrific thing to be crucified. It's a horrific thing. He was whipped. You know, when we talk about a, a scourging, the type of, of um, equipment that they would use, the, these whips, they would tie bones or bits of steel to the end. They were designed to rip the flesh apart. It was so brutal. So brutal. You know, recently, uh, you know, and I don't want to by any means underplay what he went through. And, but um, has anybody ever had their eyebrows plucked? Amen. This is not in my notes, April. Sometimes it's not good, but tell me who's ever had them. Give me a wave. It's excruciating, isn't it? Like the moment it comes out, I'm like, oh, my eyes, the watering. I don't know why I said that because now I reckon it's going to lose the punch that let me get reverent for a moment. He had his beard ripped from his face. They placed the crown of thorns on his head that would have sunk into his skull. When they pierced the side of his body, now we know that that blood that was poured out was for the forgiveness of sins and we know that he did not waste any because when his side was pierced, there was no blood left to come out, but water flowed from his body. Always ponder that from a physical sense, it's pain that's almost impossible to endure. But yet from an emotional standpoint, his father turned from him. His disciples fled from him. People that he loved spat on him. But yet it wasn't the nails that held him to the cross, was it? No, it was his love for us. Today when we look at Resurrection Sunday, we thank God for His goodness and the fact that by His wounds, it's not in this Scripture within its context, just it's not talking about the physical body, but rather the forgiveness of sins. We thank God, what a plan, that by His wounds we would be healed. We thank You, Lord. Rejected and abandoned. He carried that cross so that we could be set free.
So it's interesting when I look at the Old Testament prophets, it really begins to build my faith in, in Jesus. We know that Isaiah is written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus lived and walked on this earth, but yet they wrote about him in such a descriptive way. Isaiah was never whipped. He was never paying the price for our sins, yet 700 years earlier we see God's plan. Because it was a messianic Scripture, it was Jesus being revealed in the Old Testament so that when He'd come, there wasn't a prophecy that He didn't fulfill. You see, if we were to go to 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 and 12, let me read this to you. It says this. This is Peter writing in the New Testament after Jesus has died. He says this. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within, within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's suffering and the great victory afterward. It says this, they wondered... What time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's suffering and the great glory afterwards. The Holy Spirit in that moment was speaking to them. The Spirit of Christ within them was speaking and under that inspiration, they wrote things about Jesus that they would never go through. If you have a look in Psalm 22, verse 16, David writes that. But yet it says this in the Scripture. It says, Dogs surround me and packs of villains encircle me. They pierced my hands and my feet. No, they didn't. They did that to Jesus. But it was the Spirit of Christ within them writing about what would happen to Jesus when He came. There is no doubt in my mind that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. He was. Time and time again, years before they would write Messianic Scripture, revealing Christ to come and the salvation that He would bring to the world. Psalm 22 is a very interesting portion of Scripture. If you look at Psalm 22 verse 1 and you look at Matthew 27, 46, in Matthew 27, 46, there is a famous saying that says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's Jesus when He's on the cross. But Psalm 22 verse 1 starts with this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, what's happening in this Scripture is that Christ is being revealed in the Old Testament. So when you look at Psalm 22, and there are many other Scriptures uh, that you can turn to where you see Christ being revealed. I came across something uh, earlier last week as I was in the Word that made me smile. 
But yet I was determined to figure out what it meant because I know that it paints the most beautiful picture of Jesus. And I'd love to share it with you. In Psalm 22 verse 6, it says this. But I am a worm, not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. As the psalmist is writing this scripture, but I'm a worm, despised by people. I thought to myself, that's very interesting. What, what did that mean? Did it mean that you were, you were feeling like you were so rejected, that you were so lowly, you were so humbled that you couldn't even call yourself a human? No, that's not what it paints. That you feel like you've just been forgotten about, you've You've been hated. That's not what it paints. It paints something so much more beautiful than that. What we realise in English is we lose sometimes the interpretation of the original language. In the original language, it actually points to a specific worm. Now, there are three ways to pronounce it. I picked the easiest. It's talor. What it points to is the female, what they call a coccus illicus. Or in other words, people call it today a crimson bug or a scarlet worm. Now what happens with this worm, this bug in its life cycle is that it gets to a point where it climbs up a tree and fastens itself to the wood or it climbs up a fence and it fastens itself to that fence. And what happens is as it does that, its exterior begins to change. It goes a deep red and the shell uh, is sort of formed out. And what happens is that the larvae, the babies on the inside, they begin to eat the mother. But what happens is as she gets to the end of her life cycle, she begins to ooze out a crimson fluid that stains the wood and stains her children. They carry the staining of the sacrifice that brought them into life. It fastens itself to a tree. It's not forced to. A crimson fluid flows from its body, staining the wood that it's fastened itself to. Staining the tree and its children carry the stain of that sacrifice on them the rest of their life. In Revelations 5 verse 6, it says this as John is seeing a vision. He says, then I saw... A lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings among the 24 elders. You see, when God sees Jesus, He remembers the blood and the sacrifice that set us free. But then we've got to remember that we carry that, that blood that washes us white as snow. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
God reminds reminds us and is reminded of the perfect sacrifice. And those that believe in Him, they don't perish. They become worthy because of the stain that washes away all sin and makes white as snow. When we reflect, we, we often remember the, the cross. But today I want us to remember the resurrection. Jared, I'm going to get you to join me. I'm not finished. This is just my first finish. Because he lives, because he lives, you win. That is the basis of our victory. Because he lives, you win. Because he walks, you've won. Because he breathes, we can have victory. It all hinges on that, that He rose from the dead, that He lives again, that He died on the cross, but three days later, we celebrate He lives. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, 14 and 17, we directly link His resurrection with our salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says this, And if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If He didn't walk out of that grave, breathing, living, being able to be touched and hugged and worshipped, If Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. That's verse 14. Let's have a look at him saying it again in verse 17. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sin. If He didn't live again, we're still in our sin. But because He lives, you're justified. Sin can't hurt you anymore because of the work of Jesus. Your past is done. What you've done in the past, what you've done, He took the brokenness on Himself. He paid for it on the cross and now He lives so that you can be justified through faith. Resurrection power is that you are justified through faith, made righteous through faith. Our selfishness, our imperfections, our pride, our judgmentality is your past. He lives, we're forgiven. Romans 4, 25, to me is the most beautiful Scripture. 
He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. God gave His Son over, but God raised Him up again. Our sins were forgiven on the cross and in the resurrection of Christ, He became our source of justification. In justification, if you don't know what that word means, that's God declaring that a person is forgiven. They're acquitted. They're made into right relationship with God because God bases it off Jesus' death and resurrection. In justification, God creates a new people in a new era because He lives. Therefore, in Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. I want the band to come up. I really feel this Easter, people need to be reminded the victory is already won. But often we get caught in the cycle of life. And today I want to reflect upon the fact that the finished work of the cross, it was completed when He was there. He paid for the sins. When He was raised again, it gave us justification. We've been acquitted. We've been released from the punishment because Christ took it on. And now we walk through faith in righteousness. It's actually an old song. But you know, you grew up in in the house of God when you ask the band to sing it and 50% of them don't know the song. But when we leave today, this is what I want us to remember. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds a future. And life is worth living just because He lives.